Thank you. I'd like to thank the um, program committee for inviting me to speak here today. Um, so, in the United States, prevalence of, of obesity is increasing. Um, in this map, you can see that it's most prevalent in the South, um, but also in the Southeast, uh, Midwest, and even the Western United States is catching up. As you can see, our state, California, has now joined the rest, and Colorado is the only holdout. So, what is obese? I think. Uh, many of us would be surprised to find that uh, the average height woman of 5'4", greater than 165 pounds, is considered obese. And in the man, average height, 5'9", uh, greater than 200 pounds, is considered obese. Is this a disease of old people or young people? It's actually both. So we can see that it's increasing in both. Um, in young adults, considered um, 20 and over, the obesity rates were about 30% in 1999, and those have increased to nearly 40% uh, in 2015. In young people, 18 and younger, it was 14% in 1999, and those have increased to nearly 20% in 2015. Does this happen in, in IBD people, uh, patients? Yes, it, it really does. I remember when I first uh, started training, my chairman asked me, how did I know somebody did not have IBD? And the answer was that they were obese. Now, of course, this is no longer the truth, um, and I'm not sure if it was actually the truth then, but uh, in cross-sectional studies uh, of patients with IBD, we've shown that 15 to 40% of adults are obese, and an additional 20 to 40% are overweight. So how does this affect surgical management? Um, it results in decreased technical ability to create IPA, longer operative times, increased likelihood of conversion to open surgeries, um, higher risk of post-operative complications. These are mostly wound complications and pouch complications. Of the pouch complications, they mostly result in strictures and fistula, which we can imagine secondary to the increased tension. Now, this is a, a systematic review and meta-analysis published in 2017. This is just looking at laparoscopic surgery in obese patients, and we can see that obesity with a BMI of greater than 30 results in longer operative times, increased blood loss, increased rate of conversion to open, increased rates of visceral injury, and more complications overall. These include surgical site inflammation, uh, sorry, infections and higher rates of ileus, as well as shorter uh, length of the specimen. This was a study that was a retrospective review from uh, Mayo. These looked at all of their patients who underwent uh, total proctocolectomy for IBD, uh, mostly, uh, sorry, mostly ulcerative colitis. Uh, it was over 1,000 patients, about 100 were excluded of note 20 of those, uh, which was actually their pouch failure rate uh, number, 20 of those ha were not offered a pouch because of obesity. Um, but of the nearly 1,000 patients that underwent a pouch, uh, BMI was a significant predictor of pouch um, uh, incompletion of the pouch surgery. So how does obesity affect pouch surgery? Um, this is a study. 
from WashU that looked at their, it was also a retrospective review looking at their pouch-related complications, and we see uh, that their demographics are relatively similar, um, except for BMI, obviously, um, which is what we're looking at, BMI less than 30 and over 30. Um, the pouch complications uh, were significantly higher in patients with uh, BMIs greater than 30, as was hemorrhage, incisional hernias, wound infections, pouch complications, uh, anastomotic and pouch strictures, inflammatory pouch complications, and fistulas. When they looked at their pouch-related complications, uh, specifically, they found that strictures were higher in obese patients, uh, inflammatory processes were higher in obese patients, and fistula was, were higher in obese patients. So this is another retrospective study uh, out of Mayo. Um, this study was looking at, sorry, at short and long-term outcomes of pouches. Uh, in obese patients, again, the BMI cutoff is 30. Uh, the ages were higher in obese patients, and the BMI was obviously higher in obese patients. When they looked at operative characteristics, um, less uh, patients that, uh, sorry, fewer patients that were obese um, had a laparoscopic procedure. This was true for both two and three stage procedures. Your uh, patient, operative time was longer in patients who are obese. That was also true for stage, two-stage and three-stage procedures. Estimated blood loss was higher in obese patients, and length of stay was higher in obese patients, but only in the two-stage procedure. They also found in post-operative complications, wound infections were higher and UTI was higher, but on multivariate analysis, only age uh, was associated with, with surgical site infections and not BMI. They looked at functional outcomes, and functional outcomes they found were similar, and they concluded that obesity impacts intraoperative complexity as well as 30-day postoperative outcomes, uh, while long-term functional outcomes were not affected. So all in all, we can see that incisional hernias, pouch complications, anastomotic pouch strictures, inflammatory pouch complications uh, are more common in obese patients, as is longer, to op longer operative time, uh, prolonged inpatient stay, wound infections, and anastomotic leak. So what can we do? Um, encourage weight loss. And how do we do that? Um, we can look at bariatric surgery and, and see is that safe in patients with IBD. This is a study not in, in patients with J pouches or IPAAs, but this is a study in all patients with IBD undergoing uh, bariatric surgeries. Uh, this is a study from the Netherlands, and they have 45 patients overall. Uh, the uh, bariatric surgeries they underwent include Renoir's, gastric sleeves, bands, uh, redo Renoir's, et cetera. Um, they had similar uh, weight loss in IBD patients. And when they looked at their complications, they really only had two major complications. That was 4% of their patients. Uh, these were GI bleeding and pyelonephritis with secondary pancreatitis. Um, these were unlikely to be related to the um, IBD and the seven complications overall. So what can we do from an intraoperative standpoint? We, um, 
We know we need to assess the length of the pouch before rectal transection, and we do this by pulling the pouch out and um, pulling it down to the inferior aspect of the pubis to see what our length is going to be like. Um, when we suspect that our, our pouch is going to have length problems, we can uh, leave the rectal stump intentionally longer than we might otherwise. We can also change configuration to an S pouch to add a couple centimeters. Intraoperative maneuvers include releasing the small bowel mesentery from the retroperitoneum and um, also mobilizing the duodenum somewhat. Sorry, I can't point there for you. Uh, additionally, you'd like, you should re excise the redundant uh, duodenal tissue, periduodenal tissue, over to the mesenteric vessels. You can perform a high ligation of the ileocolic vessels to release some of the distal end of the ileum and also perform pie crusting maneuvers on the peritoneum uh, in order to get a couple extra centimeters there. Uh, finally, you can divide the vessels. Uh, when I do this, I make sure to uh, clamp the vessel that I'm gonna take with the bulldog and then confirm that there's still a nice pulse with a Doppler at the pouch edge. If all those fail and you're still unable to pull the pouch down to where you need to make an anastomosis, you can secure the pouch into place and, and come back another day as the pouch might lengthen over time. So in summary, the prevalence of obese patients with IBD is increasing. Um, obesity increases perioperative morbi morbidity, <laughs> decreases the technical ability to create IPAA, might increase pouch-related complications, uh, obese patients wishing to undergo IPAA should be encouraged to lose weight, obviously, and bariatric surgery might be safe in them as well. And surgeons must anticipate reach problems in obese patients and adjust techniques to gain adequate reach. Thank you. <laughs>